and welcome to the Enchantress Society with Tia Johnson, a place where you get to be you, where you get to unlock your magic in a sacred and judgment-free zone. The Enchantress Society is your witchy sisterhood of enchanting women who guides and supports you along your spiritual journey from the mundane to the magical. I invite you to sit for a spell as I interview guests and spill the spiritual tea on how we can create the magical life we deserve. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This episode, we're going to get a little bit saucy. (laughs) So we are going to be discussing love, pleasure, and sovereignty with the love witch, Gwen Walsh. Gwen is a sex educator, tarot reader, and witch based in Maine. She graduated from the University of Southern Maine with a BA in women's studies and a minor in holistic and integrative health. Her sex education ethics are grounded in accuracy, inclusive, and sex positive information for all. Gwen believes everyone deserves to have the resources and information to understand and embrace their sexual and spiritual selves. Gwen, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. The last time we spoke was during the Sex Goddess Summit. So yeah, this is, yeah, this is pretty nice. <laughs> I'm so glad to reconnect with you. Absolutely. I mean, I still follow your Instagram page and everything like that. And I love what you do, especially your, oh, I, I got to see if you, if you did it today. Um, the, uh, the Venus um, Day Yes, that you do. We are doing it this week. This week is what movie or TV show was your sexual awakening? And Mm. a lot of patterns that I wouldn't have expected. Apparently, the Disney movie Atlantis was highly sexual for a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, wow. Amazing. I'm going to see if I could go to your page now because. Now, cause, so first I was going to say for me, it would be um, Fear, the movie Fear. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good one. Yeah, but then I saw a post and I'm trying to remember if it was on Facebook or not, probably Instagram, where people were saying, oh, I know what it was now. It was a reel, I believe. And it was uh, like, raise your hand or something like that if your sexual awakening include one of these. And it was Fern Gully. And it was the um the toxic love. What's his name? Um, the smoke guy. And yeah. you know what? I was thinking back, like I always liked the bad guy in the movies. Like I just thought his voice, like back then as a kid, I didn't think like, ooh, he's so hot. But I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's so true. It's so funny how like the when there's a love tri- triangle, like with Twilight or uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or whatever. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, there's the straightforward guy that the girl is supposed to like. And then there's the kind of like off the beaten path, kind of forbidden love. And Mm -hmm. I'm always like, I was team Spike. I was team Jacob. Yes. (laughs) I was team Spike. Pattern here. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I wanted to be Buffy. I remember buying uh, ankle boots because that's what she wore too you couldn't tell me I wasn't Buffy like I was just like yeah I would jump on this car and do a kick (laughs) yes 
Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm going through your Instagram now. Yeah, people have, um, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, Titanic. And, oh, oh yeah. yeah, I could definitely. True Blood. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like all, basically all the vampires in True Blood. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I love doing these because like, especially the ones that relate to like, who was your childhood crush? Like, you know, what was your first crush or whatever? Like people love talking about like their nascent sexualities, like their sexual awakenings. And like when they first realized they were attracted to a certain type of person, like they love that. Like always, whenever I do this game, if it's like, I did one that was like, who was your cartoon character crush? And people went wild. Like we got so many um, submissions for that. Like people loved it. And it's just like a cute, funny thing to do. But I think it's really like fun and fulfilling for people to kind of reflect on, especially like their sexual development and like who they were first Mm -hmm. attracted to discovering their sexual selves. And it's like a fun, no pressure way to kind of reflect on that. So I really enjoyed providing the space to do that. Yeah. I think that is so helpful because it really allows the person to tap into their truth. And just as you were saying, uh, the cartoon character, I was thinking, Oh, she's going to love this. My first and probably only to this date, cartoon character crush is Darius from Seller Moon. That was her boyfriend. <laughs> you never know, at one time she had a crush yes. on <laughs> Yes, we have, you know, someone, someone submitted that. And that again, um, so in the fifth season of Sailor Moon, which like never really made it to America because Americans hated it so much. Um because American TV people are trash. <laughs> right. I <laughs> but, love Sailor um, Moon. That's what it's like. I why? know. <laughs> well, the, the fifth season had this character named Saya in it, who was a like gender fluid, non-binary, whatever character. Um, they were a man in or masculine presenting when they were like a civilian and they were a woman or feminine presenting when they were a superhero. Mm. And so it never came to America just because like it was the nineties and unfortunately, yeah, God forbid. Yeah. Exactly. And Saya developed a crush on, on Usagi Sailor Moon. And mm. I was hardcore team Saya. I was like, nope, tuxedo mask out in the trash. <laughs> like Sailor Moon and Saya need to be together. Because again, it was like the forbidden love and like right. the crush that she's not supposed to have, but she kind of does. And it's mm-hmm. just, I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. See, n- now I want to go back and like watch it from beginning to see where I can get the extra seasons. Because so for the listeners, Gwen has I don't I forget which which day you you do it on but she has Seller Moon playing in playing in the background and she goes on live and she talks and it's just a really good time mm-hmm. and uh so that's why I had mentioned the Seller Moon because I knew that you would appreciate that absolutely and I I love doing that kind of stuff because like as much as I do focus on sexuality, I also focus on like love and intimacy and emotions Mm -hmm. as a whole. And so going back to these kind of childhood things, like inner child stuff, that also is deeply sensual. Like that is, Mm -hmm. you know, us connecting with what is familiar to us, what makes us feel safe. And so, yeah, doing those little um, Sailor Moon and chill lives that I have saved on my IGTV which people can check out if they want to. It's really nice to have that kind of 
context of we're just hanging out, vibing, watching Sailor Moon, which is something that so many people, myself included, of course, grew up with. And just kind of a space to be emotionally intimate. You know, people can ask Mm -hmm. me questions. People can, you know, send me messages of just like whatever is up in their lives and we can talk about it. And it's just a really nice space. And ever since um, I worked as a sex educator at a woman-owned sexuality boutique, I have been providing that safer space for people to feel comfortable and to feel um, like they can be confident in their intimate selves. And so I like being able to provide that in the virtual space as well. Yeah, I totally feel it. Every time I go to your, your Instagram, I feel that sacred love uh, you know, like central space, like you're just even beyond your aesthetics, like it's just the vibe is there. And oh, that's what what you. I love. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I, I love about it. Because, you know, this like love, pleasure, sovereignty, it is still a t- as far as we have come in this, uh, you know, subject, there's still so much more to go. And it's still a taboo for so many people. So when when you have those poles, it's really and just going back to that just one moment. It's really helping people to re- remind them that hey, once upon a time, you liked the like as you were saying the person who was on the off beating path, off beaten mm-hmm. path. You know, like there's something about that plus the sacred space that you provide that allows people to tap into something that they long forgotten about. Exactly. And that's kind of the overarching mission of all of my work is I truly believe that when people can access and gain awareness of the most intimate parts of themselves, the most Mm -hmm. vulnerable parts of themselves and find confidence and power there, then that translates into the rest of our lives, whether it's expressing confidence at work, expressing confidence Mm -hmm. in our family life or our relationships or asserting our boundaries. Like I truly believe that if we gain the foundation of confidence in our intimate, vulnerable selves, then Mm -hmm. we can just exude that and translate that to the rest of our lives and live more confident and joyful and engaged lives in general. And who doesn't want that? Right. And there is so much power in our sexuality that you know, spills over, as you were saying, into so many areas. And I recently understood that because it's so powerful, that's why there's so many people who want to keep that suppressed (laughs) and other people. Exactly. Exactly. And so with that, what are some ways people can just begin to get to that, that intimate part, because you were saying that how that is so important. And I believe that as well, because especially if we're not intimate with ourselves, it's really getting in tune with ourselves, then everything else really can't fall aligned to, to get to that point where we are very comfortable and willing to be open-minded. Exactly. So to start out, I would recommend being more engaged in like the sensory experience of your life in general. So when we think about sexuality, like it calls for us to be focused, it calls to, for us to pay attention to it. And it is a full body immersive experience. And 
in contrast, a lot of us live our lives, especially in the Western world, by being distracted, numbing things out, and having a very short attention span and always wanting to go on to the next thing, the better thing, the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so kind of um, providing an antidote for that through really, you know, stepping into the moment, really feeling into your body instead of numbing out your body, really feeling into the sensory experience of things can be really helpful because for a lot of folks, it can be scary to jump right into, mm-hmm. you know, hundred percent sexuality. Like if you've numbed out your sexuality for your entire life, or you've been taught to numb it out, you're not going to become like, you know, sexual royalty in five minutes. And so taking the pressure off of it through exploring the sensory pleasures of life and the sensory experience of life, whether that's really taking the time to smell and taste and enjoy that first sip of coffee in the morning, or whether it is feeling the warm shower water on your skin when you're taking a shower at the end of the day and really feeling held by it. Like all of those little sensory things, they're not explicitly sexual. So there's not that much pressure and societal context as if we rushed right into the sexual, but it can help us to connect with sexuality because sexuality is also sensory. So Mm. that can be a nice little first step. And then in terms of the emotions, Um, because that's the other side of all of this, is really tapping into intuition development and reflecting on one's emotions and one's desires. So again, a lot of us are taught to not think of ourselves, not think of our desires, especially, you know, those of us who have been socialized female, unfortunately. And Mm -hmm. so really tapping into what am I feeling right now? Like, naming the emotion if we can, or naming the sensations of like, oh, I feel a pit in my stomach. I feel, you know, a tightness in my chest, uh, a whatever. And taking the time to reflect on why, you know, am I feeling guilty? Am I feeling shameful because I was Mm -hmm. told this thing or whatever? And then figuring out like, what do I really need right now? And how can I realistically go about getting that for myself. And so reflecting on the needs, the origins, the desires, all of that, because ultimately our bodies are acting on this one overarching desire and need of survival. And so Mm -hmm. we will go to great lengths and do extraordinary things in the effort to survive, to feel like we belong, to feel like we're significant, to feel safe. And so if we can reflect on those things and learn how to navigate the times where we feel isolation, sadness, loneliness, guilt, whatever, and pursue healing of those things, pursue meeting our needs so that we don't have to feel that way, then that can help us to gain more kind of attunement with our own selves. It helps our bodies, our physical bodies to trust ourselves and to release that emotional and physical tension. Mm -hmm. And it helps us to feel more competent in living our lives and taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm so glad that you touched on uh, shame and and guilt, because that is something that really holds people back. And I'm thinking just as we are, you know, very comfortably, you know, talking about this, and there are people who are 
thinking, you know, how can I get that comfortable, even if I won't talk about it, you know, in public, maybe I'll talk about it with my girlfriend or something like that. So what are some of the the first um, aha moments that you had to unlearn (laughs) in this process? Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah. So I was raised Catholic. So there was a lot of undoing sexual shame there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the first aha moment that I had, if we want to get a little meta for a second, is that (laughs) in doing this work, I will not be, and I cannot expect myself to be perfect. Like Mm -hmm. I, and I don't think anyone is like a perfect 100% of the time, confident person. Like Mm -hmm. we're all humans. None of us are confident all of the time. None of us are perfect. And so it's not so much about putting the pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to never feel shame again. It's more so about gaining the tools and the emotional resilience and the positive coping skills in order to navigate those times that we do feel shame. Cause Mm. you know, if little moments of shame come up and we can work through them, navigate them, heal them, then, you know, those little moments don't feel so difficult and we can take on bigger moments and kind of positively snowball that work. So that was a big one for me. And then in terms of like beliefs and stuff, really um, moving forward from that kind of patriarchal uh, Christian dogma, if you will, of like, it's either right or it's wrong. It's either good or it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I see a lot of folks carry that, you know, especially if they grew up in a patriarchal society in, you know, the Institute of Christianity, um, a lot of folks carry that way of thinking and those ethics into their life, their lives beyond that. And so they'll be like, oh, you know, if I feel sexual shame ever, then like, I'm bad at this and I should just give up and not even try to be sexually confident or whatever the case may be. And it's like, no, <laughs> like the, <laughs> right. whole, the whole point here is to develop one's own integrity, one's own values, like what feels mm-hmm. right to you. Like you do not have to be a specific type of person. Like if you want to be, for example, sexually empowered, that doesn't mean you have to be polyamorous. It doesn't mean that you have to be mm-hmm. the most kinky person. Like we can all figure out what feels uniquely fulfilling to us. And I think that's scary to a lot of people because we are not taught to have that independent ethic of thinking. We're not mm-hmm. taught to ha- to personalize things to our own needs and desires. We're taught to kind of take this one size fits all way of doing things and, you know, slap it onto our lifestyle and try to make it work. When in reality, we're constantly taking in information, synthesizing it in ways that feel good and fulfilling to us as individuals Mm -hmm. and figuring out, like taking that extra time and effort to not just Google something and ascribe it to our lives, but to take something in, feel into it, feel if it feels right for us and kind of work out this, you know, beautiful, magnificent, uh, I don't know what the word is, mosaic, I guess, of Mm -hmm. all of the things that make up us as individuals that are unique to us. Right. 
Yeah, that that's so powerful. Uh, I, I would say for for me, it was learning or unlearning that, and and you, you touched on this that you know it has to be unique for you. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, you know, when it comes to independence, society says, oh, yeah, yeah, you can be independent as long as they follow our rules. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) And it's like, as I got older, I learned, well, wait a minute. Some people are okay with, you know, being in a love triangle, you know, you know, the sister wives and it works for them. They are grown. They all, all consenting adults are okay with that. So not that I would do this, but I'm just saying like, who am I to interrupt their household? (laughs) The bills are getting paid everyone's happy, you know, whatever issue they may have, they can have a family meeting. But if the love is there, things are getting paid. What's the problem? (laughs) I don't, I don't understand it. So that was, that was huge for me because, you know, a lot of times on TV and, you know, as you mentioned the nineties, I grew up, you know, late eighties, early nineties, even early 2000s, it wasn't much deviation from, you know, heterosexual, a household, that's it, point blank. And every now and then you would have a character that you didn't quite know, like they were there in the background, you know. So it, it's also that lack of representation. I can't even talk with these brackets. The lack of visibility for changing the whole word. I want to say represent, but you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's that lack of visibility that also is on the subconscious level, um, uh, impacting how people live because you know our brain picks up I don't know a bajillion amount of information every single day mm-hmm. and if, if we are constantly told one thing and if that's mainly all we see then yeah of course people are going to think well I must be wrong there must be something wrong with me no one can ever know this secret and uh, someone was telling me that Lady Gaga song Poker Face was all about her being bisexual but keeping that straight face so it's just like, you know, th- these are some of the things that people have to deal with day after day after day. And so I love that you broke it down the way that you you did. Exactly. And that's the thing is like my number one ethic as a sex educator is non-judgment. So mm-hmm. like from the days when I was working in the sex toy store to, you know, my one-on-one consultations that I have with clients now, people come to me and they're just wrought with emotion of I'm not normal. My Mm. sexuality is shameful. Like they're, it's hard. And, you know, sometimes it's not that dramatic, but sometimes it's something that really deeply impacts their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an honor for me. And that's why I still do this work to provide a safer space for people so that I can tell them like, first of all, any question that you have for me, I guarantee you I've heard it a hundred times. Like mm-hmm. people, and and it's not to downplay the emotional effect that it has on people, but folks don't have spaces to really feel safe and being like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I have a fantasy about this. Does that mean that I'm bad? And it's like, let's talk about it. Like it's okay. And so- it's really an honor and a privilege for me to be able to hold that safer space for folks so that they can ask these questions, realize that they're normal and talk about them. Cause there's such an emphasis on not talking about things and not educating people about things. 
And Mm -hmm. so of course, if there's no communication and there's no education, how can we expect people to feel anything but confusion and shame? And that's where I personally came from. And that's the transformation that I want to provide for people is to give them a safer space to realize, oh my God, I am normal. Other people feel this the way that I feel. Other people desire the thing that I desire. And I'm not a bad person for my sexual identity, for my sexual desires, for whatever. Mm. And so that's really the thing of like, again, creating one's own integrity of like, just because I'm not polyamorous doesn't mean that other people can't be successfully polyamorous. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that being polyamorous is a bad thing just because it doesn't resonate with me, you know? And so kind of this, this ethic of compassion and of understanding that like, again, as long as everyone is operating within the boundaries of ongoing and, you know, all around consent. And as long as people are operating within the boundaries of legality and general safety and well-being, then Mm -hmm. they're okay, you know? And there's a lot of these kind of contentious subjects within the realm of sexuality and sexual psychology and everything. And it's painful how much, you know, misconception there is around all of these things. And that creates stigma and that creates, you know, this feeling that people need to shut down and not talk about it. When in reality, they could just find that safer space to talk about it and then realize, oh, like, you know, I'm okay. I'm normal. Like this isn't a bad thing. And that freedom is so transformative when people finally feel that lifelong weight off their shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And it's so beautiful. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it it is so, you know, hurtful when, when you do hear people talk about, you know, the, the issues that they have had because they, they have been told, or maybe they saw someone, you know, get, uh, you know, beat up or something like that for living their life. Mm-hmm. you know, living their truth. So yeah, I, I definitely understand how it's not easy for some people. And, and so that leads me to the home. And when, when you talked about, you know, tapping into the senses. And so a lot of people who listen to the show, they are, you know, beginners and a little, little also advanced different levels of spirituality, but it's private for a lot of people. So what are some, some of the things that they can have in their household that was what I like to say is avoid muggle detection. <laughs> mm. Like, I don't know, maybe a candle or like something that can help them with, uh, you know, the, the senses, but also, you know, the visualization that they just feel that and other people won't necessarily pick up on it. They might think, Oh, it's self-care what she's doing, but really it's, you know, she's getting into her love and pleasure and sovereignty. She's getting, you know, all in that, that zone, that vortex. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So a lot of things that are considered like witchcraft supplies or, you know, whatever you want to call it, pagan supplies are everyday things. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm looking over at my Venus altar right now and I have a couple white candles. They're just white candles. You know, I could put them on the dinner table and they'd look the same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
you know, different, like I'm a huge oils person. Um, I can't really burn a lot of things around my house. Um, and so I've been drawing a lot on oils lately. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, if you get something that says like, you know, beauty oil or desire oil, then like, that's pretty obvious that it's a spiritual thing. But if you get like, um, a jasmine or a rose essential oil and you mix it in a jojoba carrier carrier oil and you kind of bless that or you know enchant it in whatever way of like when I wear this oil I'm really tapping into my sensuality then it's just regular oil but you've infused it with that intention and so now it is spiritual so mm-hmm. that kind of thing can work for folks, um, who don't want to be too obvious, um, about their spiritual practice. You can use something like that as a cuticle oil, and that is amazingly effective, you know, and it's the same thing as a condition oil that's marketed in a specifically witchy way, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I like that. Um, because then it also allows the person to, warm up to the idea of, okay, now I can use, I don't know, maybe a big crystal or a candle that has some writings on it or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for people to understand that you can start at any level, anywhere, (laughs) anytime. That's Mm -hmm. another thing I just wanted to stress there, because as you mentioned earlier, you're not going to be able to like just jump right into it, (laughs) especially Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, new to you or, you know, just something that you haven't really uh nurtured in a a while so yeah that was very helpful yeah and that's the thing is like I think a lot of people either perceive or want to perceive this very clear delineation between magical activities and mundane or non-magical activities and there's really not like (laughs) a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I have to do this specifically magical thing. And, you know, otherwise I'm just living my, you know, mundane, boring life. And it's like, no, you know, um, for example, I took a trip to Miami recently for my birthday. Um, and I dedicated the trip to a deity of mine that I work with and to his values of being present in the moment, really drawing on one's own power and one's own prosperity, um, Mm -hmm. investing in oneself. And I took my time, you know, during that trip to really like not be my typical over worrying self and to really be immersed in the moment to invoke my senses to really appreciate every second of the trip to notice the times where that deity presented himself to me um, in certain trees and drinks and things like that and um, I did actually write a post about this on my Instagram recently um, about existing in devotion and how a spiritual practice doesn't have to be this like harshly delineated. This is a witchcraft activity and this is not, you know, you, you can Mm -hmm. use magic and romanticism and spirituality into your life, you know, whether it's through using enchanted cuticle oil, whether it's through envisioning, you know, a scarlet red aura around yourself when you want to draw on your confidence, whatever it is, like you can, live and exist as 
a spiritual, romantic, sensuous, (laughs) sensuous being. And you don't have to like separate it. You know, you're not only spiritual when you're using your specific spiritual candle, like you Mm. are spiritual, you are magical, you are enchanted in your entire life and your entire being. And that is really what helps us to stay connected and to alleviate those feelings of guilt. Cause again, you know, myself coming from a Christian background, I'm like, Oh, you know, we have to go to church every Sunday. And like, when Mm -hmm. we're in church, that's when we're spiritual. And if we miss a a week of church, then we're fucked and God hates us, you know, (laughs) that's not not the ethic that we want to carry into um, a more holistic view of spirituality. Like some folks really like that regimen. And I do too. I love having like devotional regimens that I do once a week or every day or whatever, but it is also really helpful to experience spirituality and sensuality as a holistic thing that we always have within us. We always are. And that helps us to feel like we have a more enchanted and romanticized life in general. And Mm -hmm. that is like really genuinely feeling it. Yes, yes to all of that. And man, it it it's so true. You can be anywhere at any time and just well, first of all, yeah, we are the magic, but then it's like when you turn on that switch, when you make that mundane, you know, drink now magical, like you said, when when your, you know, deity shows up and it's just a reminder that we are constantly in this world and swirling around in magic. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing. I remember as a kid going to church and it just never felt right to me. Like I would go and I always felt like it was off. Like I was just off. It, the, the whole thing was just off. I liked some of the churches. I thought some of them were beautiful, uh, you know, the stained glass windows, but it was always off to me and I couldn't quite explain it. And just looking back, I'm thinking about how many times are we in a building and for how many hours, right? We're at work for a minimum eight hours a day for many people. Then it's like, okay, now on the weekend, maybe you can sleep in Saturday, but Sunday, you got to go right back into another building for, I don't know how many hours. It's like, we spend so, so many hours, so many days in a building, we're not getting proper light. So it's like our senses are just being watered down. And then we constantly have people in our air telling us and giving advice and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, these tips and everything you have explained is, I know is going to help so many people. I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, working off the uh, advice you gave and teachings you gave during the sex goddess. I mean, because it's important. And the more we are aware of where we're spending our time, <laughs> we begin to realize, oh, crap, like I'm really not in tune. So I can see why your trip to Miami was, you know, well, it was important because of your birthday, too. <laughs> but I can see that the many levels of importance it had for you. Exactly. And that's the thing is like making or allowing our spirituality to flow and to work for us and not just like it is great to have rituals and to have, you know, times where we're by ourselves and going through, you know, those ritual activities, that's really fulfilling. And that's a core aspect of spirituality for a lot of people. Mm. And at the same time, at least in my 
beliefs, it is important to translate um, that spirituality to our lives at large and to really act that way as much as we can. And so for myself, like I identify as a love witch and a lot of people think that that means that I do love spells, that I control people, that whatever. And that's one of the biggest (laughs) misconceptions is like, no, like my, if I was like that, I would be a manipulation witch and I'm not. (laughs) And so for me, a love witch means working with those emotions, like intimacy, like love and compassion, like self-awareness, all of those emotions that encompass love and helping people to heal through that and within that and helping to exude and express more love into the world. And so for myself, like my love, witch practice, yeah, it includes like working with Venus and, you know, sprinkling rose petals on candles, but it also includes being extra nice to the barista at Starbucks. Like that Mm -hmm. is part of my love witch practice because that's a real world thing that I can do. That's going to improve that person's day and going to provide more love into the world. And I see that as much more effective and much more impactful than if I was only in my room, you know, doing spells with roses six hours a day, you know? Right. Exactly. And it's so funny because you answered two of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask what's something that you have to debunk and a deli practice that you do and you answered it. So we're good. (laughs) Don't call myself a psychic for nothing. (laughs) Right. You're you're a psychic love witch. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. But it's so important because you know, being extra nice is, and, and even just nice regularly, it's so overlooked, um, especially when, when people, you know, see a certain job title, they think that that gives them the right to act a certain way, but it's missing the compassion piece, the love piece, the, you know, we're connected piece. So yeah, you, how can someone dive into pleasure and, and being sovereign in their sexuality and loving if, they're being rude to the the waitress. <laughs> and, exactly. You know, like and it doesn't work kind like that. Of, yeah. And to kind of um, complement or contrast that, um, a big part of my work too, especially with folks who have been socialized female, is delineating the difference between kind and nice. And mm-hmm. like I use, I just use the word nice. So maybe it's not the best time for this example, but we're going for it anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, Something that comes up a lot is the feeling of needing to be nice in the sense of having no boundaries. So Mm. a lot of folks that I've worked with feel like they have to people please. They feel like they have to accommodate everyone and everything at the detriment of their own boundaries and their own self-compassion. And so that's something that I work on with a lot of people is, you know, what does it mean to be nice? And what does it mean to be kind? Because sometimes the kind thing Mm -hmm. to do is not the nice thing to do. Mm. You know, sometimes asserting your boundaries is not nice, but it is kind both to Mm -hmm. yourself, your integrity, your truth, and to respecting yourself and the other person and not letting yourself get pushed around. So that's a big part of it too, is like, 
being kind, being nice is different than being kind. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. That's actually how I end my podcast. And I, that's exactly why <laughs> love psychic witch. <laughs> that's exactly why I end the podcast with be kind to yourself. I do not say be nice be kind because you're absolutely right. People here are nice and it's been programmed. And I see this time and time again where, you know, and I see this more with, you know, women or uh, women presenting. Oh, I I feel guilty. I I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want. No, it's okay. Speak up, have those boundaries. Every time I have uh, coached someone to push back, it always works in their favor. Why? Because people will always test the waters. You have people who they just want to see how far they can get with you. Mm -hmm. And once you, yeah. and, And if you check them, Sometimes they'll correct and other times they'll, they won't and they'll go away. And then there are other people who they're just assholes. <laughs> they are going to be mean. They're going to take advantage of your, your uh, ability to be nice. So that's why, you know, we're just stressing here, you know, different between kind and nice, because I've seen a lot of nice people. Okay. I'll say this. If being, being nice worked a hundred percent of the time or have a high probability of working, there, there wouldn't be a bunch of nice people who feel like they're being treated like welcome mats. It it wouldn't happen. Exactly. And that's the thing is I do think it's important to recognize that, especially, you know, for folks who are women or female presenting, that there can often be safety concerns of like, oh, Mm -hmm. if I'm not nice to this random guy at the bar, you know, is he going to get violent with me? Like Mm -hmm. there is fear in that. But at the same time, like aside from those moments where it is understandable, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of sensation can kind of bleed into like, you know, the guy that you're talking to on the dating app and you're worried that if you don't do everything that he says, he's going to be upset. And, you know, that informs our kind of primal instincts of if I don't appease this person, then I'm going to be alone or I'm going to be in danger or whatever. And so it is important to tap into like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we feel the need to do certain things? And to make one other point on that, I actually read an article the other day that the archaic um, definition of nice was actually foolish or stupid. So Mm. nice did not always mean nice. And so if we think about it, nice uh, kind of insinuates performativity It insinuates doing the thing that isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas kindness and compassion, especially self-kindness and self-compassion indicates a level of thought, a level of checking in with our integrity and our values and Mm -hmm. checking in with what is actually the most intelligent and constructive thing to do rather than just going with the flow of what we feel like we should do. Right. Exactly. What we should do always gets us in trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least most of the time, because it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, and I'm thinking about the support people have and, and unfortunately don't have. And I started looking into this and what I've learned is that once we start taking the steps and they're like building blocks of 
opening communication with ourselves first, because just as you were saying, you know, that pleasure, that intimacy, that's something that we have to dive into. But if we aren't communicating with ourselves, if we aren't allowing ourselves to smell the aroma of the coffee, like really enjoy that. And when it, like you were saying, when we're in the shower, really embrace that water hitting you. If we're not having communications with ourselves and being open with ourselves, there's no way we're going to find or attract that support because we are subconsciously putting out basically, you know, what what society is telling us and it's all ingrained in our subconscious and we're not speaking up. We're not being expressive in what we wear, how we carry ourselves. So we're attracting different people into our circle. And I'm here to tell you because I've been doing this personal growth journey for over a decade now, the more you start peeling back the layers, diving into yourself, the more you're going to find the support that you are truly looking for, but you have to have that communication with yourself and that intimacy with yourself first. Exactly. And that's why my work is so focused on self-intimacy because I'm not like the cosmopolitan sex educator. That's going to tell you like five positions to please your man or whatever. Like my (laughs) entire point of my work is to not sensationalize sexuality, but to take it back to, you know, its roots, its origins, its foundations, which are self-intimacy and self-love and self-knowledge. And I was actually just having this conversation with um, a couple of friends of mine last night that so many of us assume that people in general are stupid or are, you know, shitty or bad or whatever. And I would actually argue that people are just, you know, products of how they were raised for the most Mm -hmm. part, unless they have found other avenues of self-development. And unfortunately, our culture does not emphasize emotional development, emotional maturity, emotional Mm -hmm. intelligence, or introspection. And so a lot of people simply don't have, you know, the avenue of even discovering themselves or connecting with themselves. They're just taught through media, through intergenerational behaviors that, Mm. oh, if you're sad, you know, just go out and party or just whatever. We're not taught, like there's not a societal emphasis on getting to know yourself, reflecting on your emotions. And so that's why, like, I really care about providing this work for people because it creates transformation in ways that nothing else can or will. Mm -hmm. And it helps people to live more easy, peaceful, and joyful lives. And who doesn't want that? Exactly. And, you know, man, it's, it's so sad. The campaign to disconnect people from their emotions. And I don't even like to say this. It, it, it was well done. It, it was, it was, it was well done. And it's so crazy how it's like a, 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 a um, light switch gets flipped, especially with girls growing up. It's, oh, you know, girls mature faster than boys. Okay. But then when the girls become adults, now, now all of a sudden they're dumb. They need to dress this way. Don't be too this. Oh, you're being too much. Well, wait a minute. I thought that, you know, I was smart and intelligent and independent and I was mature for a young girl. And now I'm an adult and now I need to 
you know, learn about the real world. Well, wait a minute. You've been telling me like, <laughs> I'm this strong, independent, you know, person and the boys got to catch up. Well, when do they, ca- why do they get a pass? Exactly. And it, it's stuff like that. Yeah. And that's where, you know, developing our own opinions, our own ethics, our own everything, and consistently reflecting on those and allowing them to change as we take in new information is really important. Like we need to learn how to, you know, think for ourselves, you know, feel into what feels right and good for us as individuals, you know, and work on ourselves, you know, and allow that kind of ebb and flow of like, feeling into the present moment, learning, you know, changing our opinions as necessary and allowing that kind of organic flow of consistent, constructive self-development. And, mm-hmm. you know, that really provides that true freedom. Like when, when we truly know ourselves, when we can truly tap into what we're feeling and why, instead of projecting it in a maladaptive way. Mm-hmm. That is just such a better way to live life than just being confused and full of shame or numbing right. things out. Mm-hmm. And second to last question, <laughs> we covered so much. Uh, in your practice as a collective, what are some of the, the changes you have seen over time? Because I feel like we're moving in the right direction, but I'm curious, what, what are some of the, the massive or just, as I was saying, collective changes you have seen? Yeah. So I've seen people heal their relationships. I've seen and worked with folks who have been married to their partners for decades and they finally open up and have these crucial conversations Mm. and come to a better level of understanding instead of, you know, being separated from each other and feeling conflicted. I've seen people recognize that you know, their needs, their sexual identities are not bad that, you know, if someone is, you know, for example, masculine and they're submissive, that is not a bad thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and the weight that that takes off of someone's shoulders to realize that they're not bad because of a sexual preference is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so just this sense of like, gaining confidence, gaining self-awareness. I've had folks who have, you know, finally found their dream jobs and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I was just dealing with this Mm. job, spending so much time at this job that I hated. And now I have a career and a life purpose that I love. And just seeing the personal freedom that people can attain the personal confidence and the ability to speak their truth and to live authentic lives is amazing. And that's something that is scary to a lot of people to start out with. They're like, oh, well, if I, if I dive into this work, like, will I realize that my life is a lie and, you know, that I need to change everything. And it's like, Yeah, you know, that is the risk that you take when you start this work is like you may realize that you've been living in a way that doesn't make you happy. You might realize that you've been holding yourself back, but the reward of that is that you get to make those changes and you get to be an agent of your own life and Mm -hmm. find the career that really satisfies you, find the relationship, relationship style that really fulfills you and 
get to that point of living the life of your dreams and your desires instead of spending your entire life being numbed out and living in a way that is not authentic to you. Yes. Oh man, that's so powerful. I have seen people who don't change mm-hmm. and, and they're stuck in, you know, name that decade or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, sometimes they're bitter. Sometimes they're, they're happy they're, or content, I should say. And again, it, it's one of those things that you definitely don't want to be stagnant. And, you know, people do think, oh, I may lose this or what if that, Yes, you're going to be outside the matrix, but when I am here to tell you, I'm living proof, you know, it's so many, I'm lost for words right now because I'm just so like passionate about this. There are so many avenues to embark on personal growth and it's never a wrong move. It's always for the better. Remember that. If you are no longer with a friend or whatever the case may be, it may have been time for that to end anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, the next day is coming. We're already in autumn. All right. Summer is gone. <laughs> like it's cooler now. It's gone. Done. Mm-hmm. We have what? Three months left of this year. Change is coming anyway. You're going to be a year older. So you might as well take this chance, bet on yourself and watch what happens. Exactly. So my final question is any final words? (laughs) Oh, final words. I really, I encourage people to be courageous in their own lives. Like what we are aiming towards, what we are centering ourselves in is authenticity, you know? Mm. And so it may require folks to come out of their comfort zone um, in order to center themselves in their authenticity. But ultimately the reward is again, that greater self-awareness, that ability to make changes in your own life, feel confident and competent in your own life and create the life that you deserve and that you desire. And mm-hmm. Whether that's little changes, again, you know, some people only need to make slight tweaks to their lives Mm -hmm. and that is fine. This journey is going to look different for everyone. And that's why, like, it's not something that you can just Google. It's not something that you can just watch a TikTok and then, you know, your entire life is fixed. Like this is ongoing work, but the good thing is, is it gets easier and you gain the confidence and the competence to take on greater and greater challenges. And so not to sound cliche, but you level (laughs) up, if you will, in a way that you never would have if you didn't make the effort to do this work. And Mm. I mean, that's why I'm still still here because it's wildly exciting. It's wildly rewarding. And it is like, I co-create these experiences with my clients. And as I'm sure you do, it's not, you know, a hierarchy of a teacher telling a student Mm -hmm. and I know this and you need to, you know, 
pay attention to me because you don't know anything. Like, absolutely not. We are mm-hmm. on a journey of finding ourselves and attuning to ourselves. And it's amazing because like, we're always learning. We're always getting to know ourselves better and it's really exciting. And it's a co-creative experience of mm-hmm. finding that sense of joy, finding that sense of true engagement and attunement with life. And it lights up your life in a way that it wouldn't be if, mm. if you didn't engage with, with this work, you know, and I call it work because it does feel like work sometimes. Um, but it's more like a, a way of living, you know, of mm-hmm. actively choosing to see the sensuality and the joy and the romance in everyday life and seeing the magic in everyday life and, like I will have these experiences where, you know, like I'll, <laughs> I like walked to um, my local cemetery the other day and like, I just felt the fall breeze and, you know, mm. there were some birds flying around and it was just a regular day, but I just felt it was so beautiful. And I just felt mm-hmm. so connected with who I am and the world around me. And these moments happen, you know, sometimes it's a nature walk. Sometimes it's, you know, connecting with the barista at Starbucks and Mm -hmm. it's just this level of enchantment and connection that I can't believe is real. And it's just so amazing to feel that and such an antidote to the disconnection that so many of us feel. Um, So I really want to encourage people to open themselves up to this because it really like, you can't imagine how rewarding it is. Even when you're living it, you're like, I can't believe this is real. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. I I know exactly what you mean when you were talking about that breeze. Yeah. It's just, you feel it. Every time I get a certain breeze, I just think to myself, oh yeah, that's the goddess. Like, it's just, I don't know, like you're connected and yeah, yeah. That's, that's just so amazing. And yeah, I, I say the same thing too about uh, teaching. I, I always say I, I'm learning just as I'm teaching. And if someone is, you know, acting like I'm the teacher and you're the student, I know more, run, run from them, run. Because <laughs> the teacher is always the student. <laughs> always. Exactly. And that's so really run. like, yeah, that's really the core of this work and of life in general. If we think of like, the deepest, most agonizing experiences that we have in our human lives, it's from a lack of connection. And if we Mm -hmm. think about the most beautiful, amazing experiences that we can have in our human lives, it's about connection. And so that really is like the core. If I were to identify one singular word that embodied all of this work, it would be connection and how amazingly Mm. fulfilling it is to feel connected to yourself, to the people and things around you. And that's not even like a, an academic versus woo woo type of thing. It's a basic human need and a Mm -hmm. basic aspect of human fulfillment. And that's what we've got here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that that's what I feel that communication piece that, uh, you know, the, the vibe, the frequency, your Instagram page just does that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, really, like, I, I've seen other pages, where I'm just like, mm, 
And then like three weeks later, oh, me and so and so getting a divorce. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you know, it's like there was something about your picture that just felt off. Mm-hmm. But uh, like when I go to your Instagram and I encourage people go to our website too. I mean, gosh, like it's just, it, she, she's tapped in. So please visit Gwen's website, her uh, Instagram. It's, it's going to be in the description of this episode. So no worries, but you literally feel that. All right. That, you know, oh, you know what? I can communicate with myself. Look at this picture of Gwen. She has these beautiful flowers. She's outside. Like I can do that. I can walk around with flowers. No one's going to think anything. You're going to think someone gave it to you. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's all about being connected. And I love that. And so mm-hmm. Remember, there's nothing wrong with you, okay? Your sexuality has an immense amount of power to it. That's why people are very hard at work to keep you disconnected from this. Trust us on this one. And that's why we are hard at work to help you be connected with it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This is, yeah, working overtime, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but in a good way, in a fun way. So remember that there's, there's no need for shame, but you know, address it, go through those feelings, but just know that you are here to have experiences and know that there are people who just won't understand it. They won't vibe with that. And that's okay because that's not for them. It's for you and other consenting people. So, you know, keep that in mind and, and just get as educated as you can in this, um, area and then you know put some things into practice so that way you can you know warm up to the idea and like I said it's like building blocks so there's no need to rush okay first this is one portion of personal growth okay so there's a lot to cover so don't be too hard on yourself enjoy the process okay absolutely yes so on that note (laughs) all that beautiful information uh, remember, I am rooting for you as always. I'm sending you so many blessings. Be kind to yourself. Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in, Magical One. Let's keep in touch. Join the VIP email list by going to tmariejohnson.com. And as always, I'm sending you lots of love, many blessings. I'm rooting for you. And remember to be kind to yourself. Until next time.